Brady is clearly delivering a, a major message. It's not subtle. It's not behind closed doors. It's not in the locker room, right, Luke? It's on his podcast to everyone who wants to listen to it. And you know people are going to grab that headline and run with it. And yep. It's running all over I the sure place. Did. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> Bucks Wire. Quote, our effort is probably the most embarrassing part of our team right now. I mean, that is that is glaring. He, he is calling guys out for not trying hard. Tom Brady, keeping it in perspective, delivers a very public and blatant message to his teammates on his Let's Go podcast, even after this exciting win over the Rams. We have thoughts on that here coming up later in the program. But first and foremost, it's the Bucks Wire podcast. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here. And man, I'm just happy to be talking about a win this week with my good friend Luke Easterling of USA Today's Bucks Wire. Man, it's been too long, Luke. We needed that, and uh, obviously Brady says it best. That was awesome. <laughs> that was f***ing awesome. That was bleeping awesome, Luke. We needed that. Uh, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, <laughs> That's perfect. Sure. Um, you know, it's, and again, you know, those, those 44 seconds cover a lot of ills because that game was still really ugly, uh, particularly for the offense. It was honestly a pretty damn good performance from the defense and the special teams for the most part. Um, but the offense still sucked for 59 minutes and 16 seconds. Um, so there's a lot to clean up. But, man, when you've got the GOAT, um, <laughs> you can do a lot of things that a lot of people can't. And, uh, I mean, he proved it again. And just every time we get one of these glimpses, one of these these iconic drives and these moments still at this point in his career, don't you just have to soak it in? Don't you just feel like a kid again? And you're like, man, we get to keep seeing this over and over. He was doing this when I was in high school. And now he's doing it when I have two kids and I've been married for 15 years. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous to see just for that tiny moment that he gets in that zone and he's that same guy again. I know we're going to break the drive down here in a minute, but, but I mean, it's, you know, it didn't matter that they were awful on offense again for four, for 3.9 quarters because he just turned it on at the, at the moment. Yeah, it's the Brady effect. And, you know, what I was thinking about is how significant was that? I know it was the NFL record, 55th game winning drive for Brady. He, he finally passes Peyton Manning. It took him a while to pass Peyton, Luke, but you know I've become a master of, of defending Brady in any conversation involving Brady and Peyton Manning, and that's just because Brady was playing from ahead way more than Peyton. He didn't have to come back as much with the Patriots because he was that good. So that's why it took yep, so long to, to get those to... Belichick, yeah. <laughs> those Belichick defenses instead of whatever the Colts had for a lot of those years. That's why. That's why. So that's why it took him so long to catch Manning, but he did. So he's now the NFL record holder with 55 game-winning drives. That's awesome, but how significant was this one? I don't think it's a stretch to say it was one of the most important drives of his career. Right now, I'm not saying it's number one or number two, right? That's too that's going too far. There are comebacks right. in the Super Bowl. But uh, man, it's up there because the entire outlook for what could possibly be his final season, we don't know. The entire outlook for this entire season changed in 44 seconds, right? Now you control your own destiny atop the division. You beat an opponent in the Rams that has owned you. Since Brady got here in 2020, we have not been able to figure out the Rams. You just beat them. And we at least now have a clear line where we can draw Luke and say, okay, this is the moment that changed everything for the 2022 Bucks, or not, right? None of us know how this is going to play out, but at least we can now draw that line and say, okay, here's where, here's where it all changed or didn't change. Here's the line. And if you lose that game, man, Luke, you've lost four straight. You're three yep. and six. You're tied with Andy Dalton in the Saints. Uh, I mean, come on, you're, you're behind the Falcons and everyone's talking about how you're done. Brady's cooked and you're, you're flying all the way to Germany to play the Seahawks and you're miserable because you've lost four straight. I, I just thought that moment that, that those 44 seconds, that 
that game-winning drive by Brady and the Bucks, it was massive, man. It was massive. It might change the entire season. Yeah, I don't think you know that was my my headline on the game on the game recap on Bucks Fly on Sunday. He, you know, that saved the season. It did. You can, you know, whatever happens from here on out for for now, that that saved the season. And and if you go uh, on Bucks Wire right now, we've got a, a post up about uh, Chris Godwin. He was mic'd up for that game, and on the sideline right before, I think it was um, kind of hard to tell, but I'm guessing because him and and Evan. He and Evans are standing next to each other on the sideline, and I'm guessing it's the punt. So when the Ra- when when the Rams get stopped on that third and five, and they have to punt away to the Bucks, and they know they're getting the ball back for one last shot, Godwin is mic'd up, and he goes up to Evans, and he's like, he's like, this is it. This drive is is the season. Like not just for this game, but for the season. Like we we can turn it around right here, right now. Um, and they did it. I mean, that's you know, the, it's not an exaggeration. Like you said, what what happens if they lose versus what has happened now because they won? Um, just so much accomplished in those forty four seconds. So much confidence you can gain out of again a team that that whole offense still same problems, same issues the whole game long that they've been dealing with for the last month, really most of the year. And in forty four seconds, you erase all of that for now with that big win. It changes the entire narrative moving forward. Um, they have to obviously capitalize on it and maximize the chance that they have given themselves now. Um, but it's, you know, whatever you want to say about it, however you want to put it, I don't think there's a way to overstate how important that drive was. Yeah, I'm in total agreement. And I like that was that was cool insight about what the players were saying on the sideline, them recognizing that that's the season, that final drive yep, and then them, and then them executing is a good sign. I think it's at least a good sign that, that we got something going here. Uh, but all that being said, Luke, how complicit were the Rams? on the final drive, right? Like you've watched a ton of film. You've covered a lot of football. Have you ever seen a team play so soft along the boundaries in, in a situation like that? Like where the bucks have no timeouts. They have to go 60 yards in 44 seconds. And I do love Sean McVay. I think he's one of the best in the game, but what the hell was that? What were the Rams doing? It was way too easy. Guys were way too open. And it was, uh, especially after they got into plus territory, it was way too easy for them to catch passes and get out of bounds. You know what I mean? Like the Rams really didn't make it hard on the Bucks, and it was head scratching watching that. As great as Brady is, and as great as that moment was for the Bucks, it's like you're still watching it. Like, what the hell are the Rams doing? Oh yeah, yeah. I said it. I, I to my to myself basically right as it was happening is the Rams played that drive backwards completely because think about where the Bucks are. They're on their own forty. You got forty four seconds. No timeouts. If you're gonna get, if you're gonna be able to use the middle of the field to get your chunk play that you need, you can only do it on first down. You can only do it on that first play because that's the only play that gives you enough time to get tackled inbounds and run all the way down and spike it and still have enough time for three or four more plays, right? Because you you're probably thinking, you know, 44 seconds that might take half of that to take a big play down the field and to go down there and spike it. That might leave me with 20, 25 seconds. At that point, I have no timeouts. I have to go to the sideline every time. So the only time I can use the middle of the field on this drive is this play, this one time. And the, the Rams left it to him. The Rams played everything to the boundary and left Cade Otten wide-ass open running down the middle of the field. Like, I don't understand it. And like you said off the air before we started, that's, that's Brady's play. The theme bread and butter to the, to the tight end. I know it's not gross, but how do you leave that throw that you know he loves so wide open 
Otten, obviously, even as a rookie with the presence of mind to realize I haven't been touched yet, he jumps up and gets another few extra yards. Godwin was mic'd up on that one, too, and he's like, get down, get down, get down. We need the, we need the time. Um, but then, okay, you've given up the chunk play. Now you know they have to go to the sideline. So what do you do? You do the complete opposite of what you're supposed to do, and they gave up Lenny on the, on the edge to, for like five or six yards. Back-to-back throws to Scotty Miller on the same side that gets you in you know, first and goal. And then obviously the, the PI to Evans and then the touchdown. But like all the way up until the pass interference, every single throw the Bucks made, the Rams played it exactly the opposite of how they should have. And it's just so confusing because I can't think that that's what Raheem Morris wanted, right? The defensive coordinator on the other sideline. I can't think that it was the plan for them to go out there and play that drive backwards like that. So I, I don't know what happened. Obviously, the Bucks took full advantage, and you still have to execute on offense. But the Rams definitely made it really easy uh, and just completely forgot how to play situational football there. They were so complicit in it, man. It was crazy. And I agree with you 100%. Actually, in my notes, I was like, the, the most egregious play was the one on first down because you need the chunk. And you, you broke it down perfectly. And yes, I mean, Brady and Gronkowski, when they were in New England, made that throw down the seam famous. And nobody could stop it. And the only way to stop it, because Brady is so good on the timing on that, and he's so comfortable with that throw, is the only way to stop it was to blast Gronk in the knees, right? And the Patriots finally yep. started scaling that back because Gronk kept getting hurt all the time. But man, I mean, it's not surprising that Brady and Byron Leftwich. Hey, we, hey, this is the season. We got to have it. We got to get a chunk here. We'll, let's go to our favorite throw. And the, 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 the Rams give it up, Luke, man. It is crazy. Uh, but another side note, too, on the touchdown throw to Otten, kind of cool nugget from the postgame presser, besides Brady saying this is bleeping awesome because that was cool. Uh, but right. a cool nugget was that Brady said he kind of told Leftwich that I like this play for the touchdown. And, and Byron basically said, hey, let's go, go run it. And Brady went out and ran it, right? And like, I'm not sure every coach is taking that advice. It helps to have Tom right. Brady, right? Like some of these idiot quarterbacks around the league, it's probably like, all right, big fella, I'll do my job, you do yours. But when it's Tom Brady and he has an idea, it'll probably help your resume down the road just to listen to him. So good job, Byron. I thought that was a cool nugget that came out of the presser. Yeah, I think, you know, much has been made about their relationship, right? It's, you know, who's, who's actually calling the plays? Who actually has the power here? And, and I think, honestly, a lot of fans, and I probably even am guilty of this. You, you, when things go right, it's about Brady. When things go wrong, we like to blame Brian Byron yes, Leftwich in terms yep. of the play calling, right? Um, but that's just one of those things where Leftwich obviously has a respect for the, for Brady's feel in the moment, right? So for Brady to come and be like, "Hey, I like this right here," and for and for Byron to already be on the same page and be like, "Hell yeah, let's do it, let's run it," and then to see it work like that. And again, I'm just going to drop this nugget here. It was off play action, which the Bucks are really great at running, and they yeah. never run. So I'm really confused by that. But again, you want to talk about the talk about what we talked about earlier in the drive. The Rams did the same exact thing. They played that play with zero situational awareness whatsoever. The, there are 13 seconds left in the game. The Bucks cannot run the football. Not only can they not run the football in terms of situation, they suck at it. They don't run the ball very well in general, and they sure don't run the ball well on short yardage, right? They have been terrible this year. If they need a yard or two, and particularly if Leonard Fournette is in the game, unfortunately, they are not going to get it. It never happens right now. So what happens when they, when they fake to, to, to Lenny, even though they're not going to run? That whole defense flows to the right, 
all the eyes are in the backfield, and that's what gets Lawton free. He blocks down for a second and then releases. Godwin had a little bit of a slant kind of rub there to make sure that he could get out. But the Rams just, there's no way they're running the football. Why are you playing the run whatsoever? Which, so again, true. I could have another episode on why that's the perfect example of why you don't have to run the ball for play action to work. All you have to do is pretend to run on that play, and it, and all the defenders have to react to it. It doesn't matter how well you've run the ball all night. It doesn't matter what you've done going into the game, going into that play. If you pretend to run on that play, they've got to react, and it works. Muscle memory, man. They can't help it. Yeah, it's just like there's no way the Bucks are going to run, get stuff there, and let the clock run out, and that's how it ends. The, the criticism would have been too brutal. They, they would not do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be smart for the Rams just to ignore that. But again, they were very complicit on that final drive. Thank you, Rams. Thank you, Rams. We definitely needed that. We needed that drive. We needed it bad. Uh, we're going to keep going here on this game, uh, including Brady. He had some interesting comments. You know, once he got away from the stadium and got on his podcast, he had some interesting comments. We're going to get into that here coming up right after we get some fantasy advice from the huddle.com. This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Welcome to week number 10 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini with the huddle.com here to bring you strong plays. Quarterback Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville Jaguars at Kansas City Chiefs. Quarterbacks have averaged just over two touchdown passes per game versus the Chiefs in 2022, and Casey has picked off only three passes. Lawrence's opponent has yielded 270 passing yards on average, and six quarterbacks have posted at least 20 PPR points against this defense. Kansas City always can jump out to a big lead, which forces more passing, but even if Jacksonville's defense does a respectable job, the offense will need to throw to keep pace. That alone makes Lawrence serviceable in a pinch. Running back Deontay Foreman, Carolina Panthers at Atlanta Falcons. Foreman had been on a tear for two weeks leading up to last Sunday when the Bengals throttled the Panthers in the first half. Negative game script worked against him and the journeyman was abandoned. He saw only 10 utilizations, 7 carries in total. This week, the incoming Falcons offer a gift of a matchup and will struggle to contain Carolina's backfield. Look into a possible return for Chuba Hubbard to cut into Foreman's workload, but the latter remains playable as no worse than a flex. Running backs have scored 6 rushing touchdowns in the last 5 games versus the Panthers, coming at the 8th highest rate. Two more touchdowns have come through the air in that time frame. Wide receiver George Pickens, Pittsburgh Steelers versus New Orleans Saints. There's enough upside in playing Pickens this week that he should be at least in the conversation of wide receiver three. The Steelers return from their bye week having had time to rest and prepare. The Saints have given up 11 performances of at least 10 PPR points on the year, nine of which were good enough for wide receiver three or better placement. Four non-wide receiver ones were able to score touchdowns. Pickens has at least five targets in five of his last six games, scoring wide receiver two results in a pair of those contests and number three figures in a trio of games. Tight end David Njoku, Cleveland Browns at Miami Dolphins. Njoko has missed a couple of games with an ankle injury, but he plans to play this week, so just monitor his status to be safe. The Dolphins have yielded the six most catches per game, 5.8, but only the 20th most yardage, just under 50, since week four. One in every 9.7 receptions has found the end zone in that time to create the 10th highest rate for scoring. Chicago's Cole Komet scored twice last week and became the sixth tight end to manage double-digit PPR returns on the year versus Miami. There should be healthy skepticism about Njoku picking up where he left off following the short absence, but his floor is high enough to warrant a start, even if a touchdown isn't in the cards. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. 
That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with the huddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at typical sportsbook. For a limited time, new typical sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. And Luke, I want to get your take on some comments Brady had in his Let's Go podcast. This is after the ball game, after he gets away from the reporters and stuff, when he kind of expands on things a little bit more, obviously. Uh, but it, it wasn't like he had a lot of nice things to say, right? I mean, although we did right. win this game, and you said it was uh, you know, a crap sandwich for 59 minutes until the final drive, uh, Brady says on his podcast, quote, I think too much of good, bad, good, bad, good, bad leaves you average. And no one's trying to be average. If you want to be a great team, you've got to be way better than average. So correcting our mistakes, improving our effort, which probably is the most embarrassing part of our team, is our effort level on game day. And that's something we better fix. So Brady is clearly delivering a a major message. It's not subtle. It's not behind closed doors. It's not in the locker room. Right, Luke? It's on his podcast to everyone who wants to listen to it. And you know people are going to grab that headline and run with it. And yep. it's running all over I the sure place. Did. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> Bucks wire. Quote, our effort is probably the most embarrassing part of our team right now. I mean, that is that is glaring. He, he is calling guys out for not trying hard, right? So uh, how do you feel about the method in which Brady is delivering the message, you know, very public? And, and what do you think about those comments in general? I mean, it's definitely not an accident, right? I mean, no. this is definitely a guy who calculated plans plans everything he does, plans everything he says. So it's definitely calculated. And and again, like you said, it, it not not behind closed doors, very public place that obviously people are going to latch onto it. You can't help but think it's anything other than a message to his guys that like, hey, we got this one, but we can't keep putting ourselves in this position. And the the game day energy effort whatever you want to call it has got to be on another level it's just not good enough um and i mean i've got no problem with it because when you do that publicly it's because you've done it privately and it hasn't worked yet right he's obviously been saying whatever he usually says to them at practice in the locker room or whatever it's not hitting it's not landing because it's not translating to game day it's not translating on the field when it matters so if that's the case you go on your podcast and you say, hey, we, we play like garbage. We, we, do, we are embarrassing in terms of our level of game day effort because maybe then, maybe if there's some public outcry accountability, maybe somebody's going to do something. I, I, I got no problem with it. I think it's a good take on it. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, maybe he has tried behind closed doors and it hasn't worked. So this is, this is the next move in today's world. You do it on the podcast. You let everybody know. Here's the headline, guys. Run with it. Again, Luke, thanks you very much, Tom. Uh, for that for yeah, that headline yeah, on Buckswire. Yeah, go check out Buckswire if you haven't already, by the way, to the listeners. And uh, Luke, you mentioned the running backs earlier. Another little interesting nugget from this game was that, well, so we saw in the broadcast that Leonard Fournette was uh, kind of pouting on the sideline a little bit. We know Rashad White, the, rook, the rookie, is kind of eating into his touches. He's on the field more and more. Uh, the Bucks have been a little bit more efficient with him on the field at running back. It, there's no denying that. I mean, it's not like Rashad White is like lighting it up out there but it's been more efficient there. It's been better. 
Uh, Lenny has struggled out there. And Leonard Fournette actually, you were telling me off the air, Leonard actually came out and, and admitted it, right? He admitted that he was pouting on the sideline. Yeah, yeah. And again, I actually respect that, right? Because this goes back to during the game. Tracy Wolfson, who was on the CBS call, she was reporting live in the game that Fournette was on the sidelines, like frustrated that he wasn't in for a particular series in the game and that Rashad White was. So obviously after the game, you know, when he's asked about it or whatever, Fournette was just straight up. He was just like, yeah, I was frustrated. Like, why wouldn't I be? Like, I'm a competitor. I want to be in the game when the game's on the line. Like, I want to be on the field all the time. Like, if you don't, like, why are you even here? And obviously I'm paraphrasing, but like, that's the vibe, right? Yep. And I respect that so much more from players when they just say that. Like, don't, you know, give us some company line about like, oh, you know, like, no, I'm a competitor. I want to be the guy in the arena. I want to be playing. So I'm super cool with it. And again, as long as it doesn't create any issues, you know, with the fact that, you know, Lenny's got to, Lenny's got to understand how the running back position works. Again, we talked about this off the air. Once the new guy comes in and you're 27, 28, and you've had a bunch of touches in your career, that's, that's when the torch starts to get taken from you. You don't get to pass the torch of running back in this league. It is snatched from you before you're ever ready. Um, and I mean, I, again, I've, I've talked about this. I've written about this. Leonard Fournette is a great runner north and south. But if he has to move laterally at all, he's just not very good. The vision, the patience, the, the, the uh, lateral agility, the, the explosiveness is not there when it's going side to side. Rashad White is really good at all of those things. And again, it's no accident that in short yardage, Lenny has been pretty bad and Rashad White has been pretty good because he has all those other traits. So, you know, there's a reason he's on the field more often and more often. He's younger. He's learning how to pass protect every week a little bit better. And I think the Bucks are going to continue, rightfully so, to give him more touches. Lenny's just going to have to understand that's how, the, that's how the game works. All right. And another kind of fun nugget from this game, I guess you could call it fun. It, it shows you where the Bucks are at, really. Because <laughs> last week you said, Luke, I asked you who the midseason MVP was. You said the kicker. Uh, and you yeah. had no hesitation. Yeah. No, and I know you don't take it back either. The kicker. Uh, well, the game ball in the locker room after this, you know, galvanizing game winning drive, the punter, the punter got the game ball. The team went crazy. Right. So uh, yep. uh, my dog making the podcast here. Um, what do you think about that? The punter gets the game ball in the locker room after this win. It kind of shows you where your team is at. But it's at, that was actually kind of yeah. fun because when does the punter get any love ever? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, like you said, you can look at it two ways, right? You can look at it the fact that like, wow, our punter is making big plays, that means that everybody else probably isn't, right? Well, we need him to be the guy. Um, but you could also look at it and say, hey, all the people, myself included, who were not thrilled with the Bucks taking a punter on the fourth round of, uh, of the 2022 draft, looks like a good pick right now because he played a huge role in that win, right? And for those who don't know the numbers, he had six punts on Sunday. He averaged 59 and a half yards a kick. Uh, he had a 74 yarder, which, which tied the, the franchise record. Um, that's a big deal when you can flip the field like that and, and make your, your opponent go three quarters of the field every time you're punting the ball. Um, it, it's huge. I had an old, my high school coach, he always used to tell me, you've got to make them go at least 65. You've got to make them go 65 yards every drive to, to, to score. You have to make them do that because the odds are just in your favor. The Bucks kept doing that to the Rams, and obviously it, it helped the defense. It kept them fresh. When the offense is, is struggling, you need that field position to help out. And I, you know, Ryan Suckup and Jake Kamara are still the MVPs of the season. 
sad as that is, at least you have guys in those positions that are playing well. So hopefully when everybody else picks it up, you don't have to worry about that. Well, they could have the first, they could be the MVPs of the first half. We need other guys to be the MVPs of the second half. And hopefully that's the case here, Luke. But again, we're happy to be talking about a win. Uh, now we got to start stacking them. We got to start stacking wins. The Bucks are going to try to do that out in Germany against the Seahawks. We're going to break that one down, tell you the spread, and just give some takes on you know NFL abroad in general. We'll do that coming up next. But first, let's get some advice from the Bet Slippin' Podcast. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, everyone. This is Nathan with the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Be sure to check us and our sportsbook provider, Typico Sportsbook, out. Tipco Sportsbook is a global sports betting leader and is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. You can make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. New users from our Bet Slip and Podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply, and you have to be 21 plus. If you have a gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler for New Jersey or 1 800 522 4700 for Colorado. All righty, let's move on to Sunday Night Football. It is the Chargers visiting the 49ers. The Chargers are plus seven, which means they are the underdogs. So the Chargers and Herbert are getting healthier. Herbert's ribs are getting healthier, and they are 4-0 on the road this season against the spread, and they are 1-0 as an underdog. The San Francisco pass defense has regressed and ranks 40 or 22nd in opponent's completion percentage. Expect Herbert to have his way and back the Chargers at plus seven. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back to Bucks. As we mentioned, are heading to Germany to play the Seahawks. And Luke, is there a better story this season than the Seahawks? I mean, good and bad, right? They've been a story. Uh, I, the smear campaign of, of Russell Wilson that they put out there prior prior to their week one matchup with Denver, probably anticipating that Russ would come back and blast them, but it didn't happen. And, and then the smear campaign continues, right? Like Pete Carroll keeps trolling Russell Wilson. He said something about a wristband. I don't know the whole story. Something about a wristband. Other guys are coming out saying, oh, you know, we were ready to move on for Russell Wilson. He was getting, he was declining, blah, blah, blah. They, the smear campaign against Russell Wilson has been a bad look. But on the field, they have been a great story, right? They're 6-3. and three. Who the hell had the Seahawks at 6-3 and three and leading the NFC freaking West by, like, they're two games up over the 49ers, the Rams, forget it. Like, nobody saw this coming. Geno Smith is like a rock star all of a sudden. So uh, the, the Seahawks have been a really good story. Nobody saw the Seahawks being where they were, and probably no one saw the Bucks being where they are now, right, Luke? So it's like the upside down here. Uh, but man, what a story the Seahawks have been. Uh, yeah, and I'm I'm super cool with it. My brother lives in Seattle, um, so I, I got no problem with the Seahawks. Bucks, Bucks and Seahawks are actually expansion sister franchises, right? They both yeah. they both were uh, came into the league the same year. Um, so I've always had a special place in my heart for the Seahawks. I obviously won't be rooting for them this weekend, but uh, anybody who ever gets a chance to go out to uh, Lumen Field now out in Seattle, that's a, you've got to see a game there because that crowd is, is something else. Um, but the, the story of the team, I mean, again, all the Russell Wilson stuff aside, because that's just, uh, it's hard for me to not, it's hard for me to blame the Seahawks for being petty about this because of, you know, all of our expectations going into the season were Russell Wilson is going to transform the Broncos into a Super Bowl contender. 
and the Seahawks are going to be awful because they have Drew Locke and Geno Smith competing to be the starting quarterback. And we thought if you put those guys in a pot and stir them together to make one quarterback, he wouldn't be good enough to be a starter. Right. Um, and then Geno Smith has made us all look like complete idiots because you can make a pretty strong case that he's the MVP of the entire league this season. Um, I think you can make a really, really strong case that there hasn't been a player more valuable to his team's success than what Geno Smith has done. Uh, and, and part of it is because of that narrative, right? Part of it is because you went into this season with such low expectations, you were supposed to be terrible. You were supposed to be, you know, the Baron of the post-Russell Wilson era in Seattle. And instead, while Russell Wilson is completely imploding in Denver, not only do you have all of those draft picks to show for it now and not, you know, having paid him $260 million, you've got an MVP candidate at the quarterback. You've got an extremely balanced offense with your rookie running back, Kenneth Walker, the third. You've got your, your DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett in the passing game taking their big shots off of the, the running game because teams can't play them one way or the other. And how about that defense? How about the draft class? We have given the Seahawks, I know I have, I've given the Seahawks so much crap over the last few years about how terrible they have drafted. They got five immediate quality starters out of this draft class alone already. Uh, you know, they got two very good starting offensive tackles. They replaced both of their offensive tackles in this draft and had immediate upgrades. Abe Lucas and Charles Cross, Boye Mafe, the second round uh, pass rusher, is starting to come on. I talked about Kenneth Walker already. He wasn't even a starter until like halfway through the first half of the season, and he's already top five, top ten in rushing in the NFL. Tariq Woolen, who was one of my favorite prospects in the whole draft, number 58 overall on my board, 6'4", 200-plus corner with long arms, ran a 4'2", at the at the combine, and that guy somehow still falls to the fifth round with a, with a Seahawks grab in there. He was picked one pick after the draft slot where the Seahawks drafted another really big physical athletic corner uh, from out west from Stanford named Richard Sherman a long time ago. Um, <laughs> yep. So that's not been a bad spot for the uh, for the Seahawks. But Kobe Bryant, their other corner they got from Cincinnati, I mean, they crushed this draft. And so it's just, it, it's just so fun from a, just a general NFL fan perspective to see going into the season what we expected from the Seahawks and to see what they've done with those expectations and told us exactly where to stick them. Um, it's just been really fun to watch as a fan. And, and again, one of the best stories in the league. Yeah, I didn't see it coming. I mean, Geno Smith, you mentioned him as an MVP candidate. His passer rating, I think it's been 107. Every time I look at it, it's 107. It hasn't moved. He's, yep. he's, either, he's been 107 across the board. He's been so consistent. He's been so freaking good. He's been in the top three in quarterback rating all year long, Luke. Every time you look at it, every week, he's right there. And I'm sure there's other analytics that even tell a better story than, than QB rating. That one's kind of outdated. But yeah, they've been a great story. And I guess now we have to wonder what you know how we think the Bucks match up against them. Seattle has been heading in a different direction. You know, they've been winning uh, while the Bucks have been scuffling here. Uh, now, it's a good thing we're not in Seattle. I wouldn't like the Bucks' chances in Seattle at all. Uh, that's a tough place to play. Uh, but we're in this neutral site in Germany, you know, so that I think that kind of plays, you know, kind of evens the playing field a little bit, and so much so that the Bucks are actually three-point favorites. Uh, we're getting our odds from the typical sports book, as always, and three-point favorites over Seattle at this neutral site. So, What's your leadoff take on the spread, Luke? The odds makers like the Bucks. I don't. <laughs> no, I, don't I don't know. <laughs> you what never do watching. this year. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. Again, always hope for the best and prepare for the worst. And when I prepare for the worst, it involves my money. 
Um, so they do know no it's not in Tampa Bay, right? They do know that we're in we're in Germany here. Yeah, you know, I mean, neutral side, I guess, helps. But particularly watching the Seahawks play this year a lot and watching the way they win football games, I think it's a really bad recipe for the way the Bucks have struggled this year. I, I don't like their chances this week again. That those 44 seconds on Sunday masked a lot of problems that the offense still has. It was nice to see the defense play well, but I think you also saw the fact that the the Rams, the Bucks still Bucks fans still expected to lose this game because the Rams it, we've played down to everybody this year, right? The Rams have been really bad this year, even on offense with Stafford and Cup, whatever you know. They haven't been able to run the ball. Stafford has made some really crazy, really head scratching decisions and some turnovers. The offensive line is terrible. You know, the Bucks played really good defense on Sunday, but they played a really bad offense. The Seahawks are not a really bad offense. The Seahawks are one of the most balanced, efficient offenses in the NFL. They can beat you through the air. They can beat you with the run. The minute you come up to try to, to stop things in the box, they'll beat you over the top with Metcalf and Lockett with those big plays. You know, Geno Smith is a, is a veteran guy. He's not easily rattled. He's going to be efficient. He's going to take what the defense gives him. He's not going to make a ton of mistakes. And again, that defense is ascending. They're young. They've got playmakers. The Bucks had better figure it out on offense because if they don't, they're going to have to score a lot of points to win this game. They're not going to have to, they're not going to be able to rely on a, a really terrible offense on the other side of the field to keep them in the game and, and make things easy on their defense. They're going to have to go score points. Uh, they can't have all these three and outs. They can't have these, these dropped passes and these random dirt balls from Tom Brady that make no sense. They can't have these six yard routes on third and 11. They can't have all these offensive struggles that they've been dealing with all year. If they want to go in and win this game, I just I don't have a lot of faith in it. Yeah, and, and scoring points has been a problem all year for the Bucks. I mean, besides that Chiefs game where we scored a few in garbage time, Luke, we just had, we, there hasn't been a lot of points scored. So it's tough to rely on the Bucks. I can see why taking the points here would be feel like the smarter play. One team's playing a lot better football than the other, and again, one game winning drive doesn't change the fact that the Bucks played like crap for uh, the better part of a month and for most of that game last week. So yeah, I, I can't blame you at all. I think I would, I'd be with you. I'd take the points and, and just hope the Bucks could win um, a close one. I think it will be a close game. Uh, what do you think? Give me a take here before I let you go here. What do you think about NFL abroad games in general, right? These games in London, Mexico City, uh, Germany, but maybe especially these ones at London and Germany where you wake up 9.30 Eastern, you got a kickoff, and especially with your team, right? Coffee, avocado toast, and, and Brady and the Bucks, right? That's pretty good on Sunday morning. I'll I'll leave the avocado toast to my wife. I, I don't really like avocados at all, but um, you know it's it's fantastic. I love it. I, I personally love it. Again, even when it's not the Bucks playing, it's any other team. There's something so cool about getting up at nine thirty in the morning and being able to watch an NFL game. I love it. Um, and then, and I'll also mention, I think that eventually there does end up being a team over there. I think it's a, it's a logistical travel nightmare, but obviously the NFL doesn't care about that sort of thing, or they wouldn't have expanded the regular season. Uh, they wouldn't have done a lot of things that they do in terms of player safety and all that sort of stuff. They just want to make money, and that's, I get it. That's the way it is. And because that's the way it is, I guarantee you there's going to be a franchise over there at some point. Um, my favorite thing to do every time I get Madden, and I, I, I always have to do a couple of different franchises, and one of them, is always to, to do the Raiders and move them back to Oakland immediately, um, I, which I think is always fun. Uh, but the, the one thing I always love to do is I move the Washington, whatever they're called, to London every time just, <laughs> just, just to stick it to them because that is the worst-run franchise. And, again, I'm sure we could do 
another episode entirely on just the last 24 hours in the life of the Washington Commanders. Um, but I, I, I loathe that franchise and the way they've been run for so long, for yeah. so long, that it's just one of my favorite things to do to take the team from our nation's capital and move them to another country. It's just hilarious to me. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I love the overseas game. Um, I think they're fun. I, I, I think that I would like to see something done about the fact that, that one of those teams has to give up a home game in order to have those. Um, I hate that. Um, I don't know how you fix that. If it's just an, you know, you can't make it an additional game. And I know they try to balance it out as, as best as possible, but you know, that's really the only drawback to me. I, the travel and the fact that somebody has to give up a home game, but as a fan, I, I you know, it's, it's like Thursday night football. I hate it in terms of what it, what the people have to go through to get there. But obviously we love anytime we get to watch extra football and, and getting to watch it on a Sunday morning is always a blast. Yeah, for sure. I, I love it too. I, I know it's a long flight for them, for them, but I mean, it's not like they're flying to Southwest, you know, it's like they're flying. They're, yeah, they're, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, they'll okay. be okay. They'll be comfy on that plane. Uh, what was it? Russell Wilson was going up and down the aisles. That was a big story on uh, social media. I saw. So uh, there's a lot of room on these planes is what I'm trying to say. I tell you what, I tell you what, I'm, he's glad I wasn't on that plane because <laughs> If I was, uh, what was it, a couple of years ago, I flew to, flew overseas to England, and if, if that trip, if a 10-hour flight over, like, Iceland and the Atlantic Ocean, some some person is, is running, like, doing calisthenics up and down the hall, I'm, like, Nick Bosa tripping them uh, <laughs> as they go down the aisle. Because it flagged me anyway, obviously. Uh, that's not something the NFL does anymore. They don't flag tripping. So I, just, I would definitely trip that dude. Not yeah. happening. Yeah, they didn't flag. Uh, what game was it? They didn't flag. It was a big. It was, a, it was Chris Jones. It was Chris, Chris Jones, Jones did a really bad one on Josh and Allen. Then, uh, yes, Bosa. Bosa got somebody really bad in a game, and it was just so bad. We're now tripping people. It's great. Now I got to go back one on one more thing. So you don't even like guacamole. You, you, you're just away from the no, avocado. Not at all. None of it. Wow. Nope. No. Nope. Can't do it. You don't like guac. Oh man. Luke. I don't. Wow. I don't. It's a texture. Learning thing. about you it's a little a texture bit. Texture yeah. thing. It's not even the flavor. Like I just, it just feels weird, and I don't like it. All right. Well, we're learning something new about Luke Easterling. He's staying away from the avocados. Sorry, Tom Brady sorry to wouldn't disappoint you guys. Mayonnaise sucks, and avocados are gross. Sorry, <laughs> Brady would not approve of this at all. Uh, but we still like you, Luke. We still like you. Uh, okay. So, so what's going? Anything cool going on Bucks Wire between now and kickoff? I mean, we're just gonna we're just gonna be enjoying the fact that we get this overseas, right? It's yeah. Regular season game in the history of uh, the NFL in Germany. Um, it made the, and that does make me miss the world league in NFL Europe though. We had some super cool teams back in when I was a kid, uh, in the world league and, and the, the NFL Europe, you had like the Rhine fire and the Scottish Claymores and Barcelona dragons. Oh man, just go. If you haven't, if you don't know about that, go look it up and go see all the like wild uniforms and cool teams we had in NFL Europe in the world. league. it was super cool. I'll have to do that too. Cause I didn't, I didn't even know that. So I'm, I'm going to do my homework on that too, Luke. I'll get back to you on it. Uh, but for Luke Easterling, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Again, check out Bucks Wire. Uh, lots of great stuff on there, including all kinds of stuff of, on that final drive against the Rams. Good stuff. We needed that, man. Good to talk about a win this week. Hopefully we get another one. We'll catch you next week after Bucks, Seahawks, and Germany. We'll catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.